Welcome to the RSA Conference StoryCorps Podcasts. Please enjoy this discussion between Bruce Schneier and Hugh Thompson. Bruce is CTO, Resilient Systems, and fellow, Berkman Center, Harvard Law School. Hugh, a renowned IT security expert, serves on the program committee, RSA Conference. Hugh begins the conversation. I would think that the kinds of folks that you've run into vary quite a bit, right? Now what's happened is the industry has gotten bigger faster than the people can join it. Yeah. And it's real different. How, how did you study security back when there wasn't really any security programs anywhere? My PhD is in math, right? And math is all about codifying logic, solving problems. And I wasn't as interested in the cryptography side, which is fascinating, more interested in the Bayesian stats side. And you like, just lost the entire audience with those yeah, words. Yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> well, anyway, statistics, statistics. And it's odd because it's one of the few inherently adversarial sciences. It is, right? yeah. Because I mean, I'll write a paper proposing some security thing, and you write a paper breaking it. Yeah. If you break my system, I'm happy because now we've both learned something by that exchange. I mean, I never taught. I've always been self-employed, working for startups, worked for the government for a little while, only Two and a half years ago, I got a fellowship at the Berkman Center for Internet Society at Harvard Law School, and I started hanging around at Harvard. And for me, it's been – my wife says I'm having an affair with my intellectual life. I mean, oh, wow. So oh, man. that's what Gee. it's like. Well, I have how, had, how good of you to expose it on an archived uh, – yeah. Well. I find that now being able to be in such a heady soup of smart people doing things that I never thought would be interesting – and having it affect what I'm doing is absolutely freaking fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. The best compliment I ever get is when someone says, you change the way I think. Yeah. Now, many years ago, Kellogg's experimented with virtual box tops. Yeah. So instead of having actual box tops, they had a, a, a code printed on the inside of the box. And you'd go to a website, and you'd type in the code, and you'd collect them. They were all unique. And they hired me to make sure that the alphanumeric springs were, were unique, unforgeable, and didn't contain any bad words. Oh, okay. Because the That's last thing you want right, is yeah, a little yeah, yeah, kid yeah, exactly. to type in this random string, which includes F-U-C-K. Oh, I saw that I removing all vowels and the letter K. I oh, figured oh I, wow. So the letter K e- is pivotal in that. And so what's really neat in our field is you can do things that actually affect everyone. Yeah. Right? You change the way I think. That's just so great. It's, yeah, it's interesting because you've written a bunch of books. I've written a bunch of books, too. And uh, it, sometimes the books have taken, you know, thinking about mine, having read yours, take you into weird places. Like the last one I did was on this, um, this idea of plateaus. Like how do plateaus happen when uh, the Miami Heat won their second NBA final like two years ago or something when LeBron went over to, uh, to Miami? The whole team was reading this book during the finals and how it impacted them. And I'm like, wow, that's really weird to see that something you've done that had you had no idea was going to be applied in that way touch a field that you don't even have any exposure to or any knowledge of or any expertise in. I think those of us who are good at that, who take little things and, and, and see how they generalize, find the connections between different areas, I, I think that's where a lot of new knowledge comes from. 
Yeah. Now, I mean, I, one of my previous recent books was Liars and Outliers. Yeah. And I mean, I probably meandered through a dozen different academic disciplines in writing that book. And I remember when I was back in college, and it's not that those books were on like different floors of the library. They were in different libraries. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. I never in a million years would have walked across campus to say, well, let's see what the ethicists have to say about the prisoner's dilemma. But on the internet, it's just a few clicks away. So yeah. I think we're going to see an explosion of new knowledge from these synergies. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, I, t- I talked to this guy. His title was a cyborg anthropologist. And he, um, he said the biggest thing he was working on and struggling with was in some of the self-driving car algorithms, the things that they're codifying around how it makes choices in certain circumstances, when you get to a circumstance where you have to value life. And he said, well, you know, it comes down to fundamental human values and those kinds of things, but the companies could never codify that logic because of the liability aspects of it. Because if you actually codified a rule that valued one life versus another. I mean, to me, these like seem like some of the interesting problems. Uh, and it's going to get worse, right? Because yeah. imagine we're 20 years in the future, and there's some political group saying you should count pregnant women as double. Yeah. So suddenly all of our human values get projected on these algorithms. Yeah. In yeah. ways that are going to be really complicated. It's, it's a weird belief in our field that algorithms can be designed to have less bias, right? That people are biased and algorithms are not, which is actually bullshit. Algorithms are just differently biased. Right. And I don't think we're ready for that. What do you think about choice and security? And I'll I'll give you some context. It's, you know, I look at my mom and how she surfs the web. And if you give her the opportunity, she'll always make a a bad choice with a pop-up, for example, and pick the most dangerous option, right? I mean, reliably so. That, in fact, your mother can do these things is a failure of our industry. And when we let her make bad decisions, that is our fault. And, you mean, you never walk up to a light switch and you push the button and it says, you know, this will electrocute you. Do you want that? Yes, no. We need to design systems that regardless of the skill level or savvy level of the user, they can't hurt themselves. Yeah. All right, so we got to end soon. Let's, Let's talk about the pen. I remember Bic launched this campaign that they are coming out with the more secure pen. So when they launched this, they actually came to me and want to know if I was willing to be their spokesmodel. What's a pen endorsement run, somebody? It wasn't enough money to really debase yourself that much. Oh, okay. Because okay. you're right. That's it was just a pen, yeah. like a normal pen that you can't erase but they wanted to, and they were going to say how it stops check fraud. Well, well I, I, uh, you missed a golden opportunity there. I might be, have uh, memorialized with the secure pen. Yeah, but we live in interesting times in this industry. That's and for sure. And it's not going to change anytime soon. Be interesting to see ten years from now the the kinds of differences in this space. I'll bring my pen. Okay. Thank you for listening to this RSA Conference StoryCorps podcast. It was produced by RSA Conference with interviews recorded by StoryCorps, a national nonprofit whose mission is to provide Americans of all backgrounds and beliefs with the opportunity to record, share, and preserve the stories of our lives. www.storycorps.org.